In episode 39, we discussed the week that was with a brand new feature. Simone Biles, is she the greatest of all time? The initials game and a look at why prayer is so hard in Fix Your Eyes. Welcome to Six in the Mix. A band of brothers talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Join us on our journey. Welcome to episode 39 of Six in the Mix. As a reminder, we'd love comments, topic suggestions. You can leave that uh, on our Facebook page or in our YouTube channel uh, or even on Twitter. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Um, If you enjoy this podcast, why not share it with a friend? Hit the like button and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, We'd love to get uh, more people uh, joining us on our journey. So, Guys, we're going to jump right into the week that was, and I've got a I've got a new feature. I've got a I've got a a, a, a battle for you uh, that we're going to kind of hopefully feature maybe every episode. But it's the say what battle, okay? So in the say what battle, um, you guys get to decide which of these which of the two candidates in the battle said the most confusing or inaccurate thing, okay? So again, the first uh, in this first say what battle is between Joe Biden and Stephen Furtick. All right, you guys ready? All right, here we go. Your state, which I've been through, is a magnificently beautiful state. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and I mean, and the thing that you know, you, you I, I come from the state of Delaware, uh, and uh, you know, you had we had more acreage burn last year than the state of Delaware and Maryland combined, combined. For you all on Montana, that ain't my, you know, but back, I want people to get a sense of how massive, how massive these fires are. What you talking about, mister? You have an appointment with an angel, and you got an angel telling you right now you're going to make it. I got an angel. I got an angel. I got an angel. Now, who are you going to listen to? Your angel or your enemy? My angel said I'm going to make it. My angel said I'm right on time. My angel said it's working for my. What you talking about, mister? All righty. So, which uh, who, who wins this this week's battle? Oh, oh. you vote my angel. <laughs> you, you weren't inspired by that, Jeremy. What? I don't know. Can can they both? Can we just say what to both of them? Yeah, it's it's just what what levels uh, what levels worse in your which what's more inaccurate or more confusing. Who's your who's your top vote getter? Biden for me. Biden. I don't know what that guy was talking about. What was he talking about? Is there's more burnt acreage, acreage burnt in Connecticut? Del- or in Delaware? Where was he? De- what? I think I think it was Delaware. And then he said here in Montana. Yeah, I think it was a comparison between Maryland and Delaware. Maybe he was talking with Montana. I don't know if he was on a, a, a governor thing. I, I'm not sure, but it was it was tough to follow him. It was oh, tough. I feel. Yeah, I'm, I with, I'm with you, Don. I'm I'm going Biden. Angel makes more sense than yeah. Like, <laughs> the, the, the wildfires were doing in what state he was in. I 
you don't know. Yeah, All the, right. The, the Biden comment is just straight. It makes my brain go into overdrive because I can't figure it out. Whereas the Furtick comment, it's like, yeah, that's just straight bogus. What's he? That makes that that comes nowhere in scripture. Can you well, find that? And he said it like five times right in a row. So we got. Yeah. I, I guess the more you say something, the more true it becomes. So. And if you got an organ behind it and like a bass kind of thumping it up a little bit, I yeah. mean that, that's going to get you going. So and you yeah. turn around and walk away and say it. Ooh, that. That pre- is it. Yeah, presentation factor alone is is, is off yeah. the charts for that. He's got a better haircut, too. <laughs> <laughs> so Biden's the clear winner on this. We're, we're all <laughs> elevating Furtick. Running away. <laughs> all right. All great. right. We're shuffling yeah. away, I should say. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so if anybody uh, if anybody does have a, a uh, candidate for say what, uh, certainly you can you can DM me or or put it on on the comments. I'd, uh, I I wouldn't mind uh, some some help in, in putting those things together. But sh- in this day and age, it's not going to be too hard to find a battle every uh, couple of weeks. I think so. <laughs> That's great. So. All right, hey, we're going to move into uh, kind of the, the CDC view on masking. Uh, it's been a hot topic over the last couple of weeks, um, and. To kind of, again, to start off with kind of wet the whistle, I've got really three perspectives on a video, one from a school board member, one from a Republican, and one from uh, the esteemed uh, uh, Anthony Fauci. And so I think it, it'll kind of cue us up and kind of see uh, some, some recent comments and maybe some old comments that'll help us out. So uh, check out this video. It's insane to send five and six and seven and eight all the way up through 11-year-olds that don't have a choice about vaccine. To sit in a classroom with, where people can spread a deadly disease and not even know they're sick, and not even know that in three days they're going to be sick, but they're spreading it today because they, that's the way it works, this disease. Just makes me furious that we're in this position. If I were a parent of a young child, I don't know what I would do, but I don't think we should put our parents in that position. And if there's any way between now and the beginning of school that we can get this changed, I hope we can, because it's just not okay for kids to commit murder by coming to school without a mask. And when it comes down to it, it's possible. They will, ch- they will cause a death of another child because they come to school without a mask. There's still people that don't believe in masks. There's still people out there that say, well, we don't have to do social distancing and all this kind of stuff. There is misinformation out there and my point of it was basically, look, there's no one that knows more about a bicep than I do because I studied this issue for 50 years. And the same is also with the virus. There are people out there that are experts that study this year after year after year and that are experienced, like Dr. Fauci, that has been in this, uh, you know, probably for his entire life. I mean, why would you not believe someone like that? So, and there's so many other scientists out there and experts on this subject. So I believe them and I follow them very carefully. And of course, sometimes uh, things are happening that are unexpected. So then you have to make the adjustments in order. But I think people should know there is a virus here. It kills people. And the only way we prevent it is, is to get vaccinated, to wear masks, to do social distancing, washing your hands all the time, and not just to think about, well, my freedom is being kind of disturbed here. No. Screw your freedom, because with freedom comes obligations and, uh, and and responsibilities. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. 
Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And Masks it, are protective. And we, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Mark, there has and, not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric, actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. And you're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Because now okay. the CDC says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is I, that right? I mean, you know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store that you could make yourself were adequate. And then you want it to fit better. So one of the ways you could do it, if you would like to, is put a cloth mask over, which actually here and here and here, where you could get leakage in, is much better contained. Are you a double masker, Dr. Fauci? Look like you are. <laughs>
is I do hear more and more masking advice coming out. And, but like Jeremy said, I would really like to hear the data that proves it. So when they say mask, I want to hear what study proves it. I remember seeing something several months ago about it um, because I tell you right now in Florida, um, my guy DeSantis, he is being torched because he is prohibiting mask mandates. Now to me, um, I, that's a bold move, but ever since this pandemic started, I credit him for following the science. He, he identified who the most at risk was for this disease and serious complication. So either he knows something about the science that the media is not hearing about, or he's in deep trouble because I, I believe they have efficacy. I just don't know how much, and it has changed a lot. So um, I, I still think they're going to help protect the people around the mask wear more so than the mask wear. Um, but with the, the, the contagiousness of this current variant, um, yeah, I, I think that's why you're hearing updated guidelines in terms of, Matt, you said it a long time ago. You, you said, hey, if we don't know what's out there, why don't we take precautions? Why, why can't we take precautions? And to me, there, there is logic in covering your mouth, your nose, where the virus gets in to, to do just that. But I want to see more studies because if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll apologize to say, hey, I thought masks did, did, did help to some degree, which I, I still think they do, but I just want to hear it. I'm hearing, even, even in the area where I live, I'm hearing more and more outcries of, we've got a mask. This is a, this is a big danger time right now, so let's take extra precautions. But please tell me, what's, what's telling us that? All those instances that we saw in, the, in, the, in those videos, not one evident, not one state statistical fact was given. No. I mean, and it, so it's just a constant, it's, it's, it's a constant changing the guidelines, changing, you know, and I get it. I mean, this is all something new. I mean, in some ways, I, I, I actually kind of feel for Fauci just because of the fact that the guy has to, you know, adjust what he says because the data that we come, that, that comes in changes, right? I mean, it just keeps on changing, but you're not doing anybody any favors by, by not, promoting or giving out the facts when you want people to vaccine, you want people to wear masks by not telling them the facts and not telling them the data behind the decisions that you're coming to and the reasons why you're coming to them. I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy to me. And to hear that school board member say that she's calling these kids murderers for coming into school without a mask. I mean, come on, more kids are dying. More kids go out onto the CDC uh, website and see what kids are dying of. It's not COVID. It's not. They're dying more of pneumonia than COVID. The numbers prove it. And so these, these, these facts that these people are coming up with that they claim that they're just pulling out of their thumbs. I don't get it. I don't know how how they can justify that. Well, a case, a case in point could be like what happened this week, where you get a news source that says, I think it was in Texas, that 6,000 or nearly 6,000 kids were hospitalized. When really, that was from the start of COVID, way right. back when it started to date. And it was actually corrected on several different news stations and that number started reducing and reducing until finally got to the real number which was 
in like the 50s, okay? 6,000 to 50 is a huge difference, but you freaked out all these moms and all these dads who are saying, 6,000 kids are hospitalized right now in Texas. Texas is huge and it's gonna spread. I mean, that's the fear mongering. That's the ridiculousness of this. And it is, it's a manipulation of fact. You can make the statistics say whatever you want it to say, because if your math happens to be, you know, not stated correctly, well, you just gave out a bunch of information, which we've so-called as, you know, been, been looked at, the, the, the term misinformation has gone out. Well, give us the real truth. You know, some, like Brian said, somebody just, all right, clear the, clear the table and let's, let's put a study out there. Who's doing it? Who's going to do that? And let the world watch it. Everybody wants to know the truth. So let, let it happen. Oh, yeah, it's a- one other one other thought. Okay, who's designing masks to get better right now? Who's doing that? Why isn't that a new story? Who's who's you know is 3M developing that? Is China developing that for us? Who's who's doing that? If masks are so amazing, don't they want a better model of it? Don't they want it contoured better? Don't they want to have a fit that that maybe is is transparent so that you can see somebody's smile and what somebody is doing underneath it? Where's that? Well, it's not there. You know why? My personal belief is it's because it's, this is all just it's going to wash over. The control is happening. The manipulation is happening. It's they got what they want, whether it's experiment or not. Hey, look what happened. There, there's so many outsider things that just don't add up. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it. I think this came out when Rand Paul was arguing with uh, Dr. Fauci if, uh, a week or two ago, but I didn't realize the NIH, they're the ones that are responsible for granting funding for certain projects and research. Sure, right. And they have, uh, they have financed just a minuscule amount of COVID research. Why? If this is the big thing dividing our country right now, masking, why can't they do studies and figure this out and lay it out there and just say, here's what we found out. I mean, they've had, what, how many months has it been now since we've been in this pandemic? 17? I don't know. It's, yeah. it, it's so, ridiculous. Wow. There's no reason why we can't be dedicating efforts to see, do these things really work? Because it's split, it split the country in half. You know, the only thing I would challenge is the, the, the same NIH that you want to do studies to trust their data is the same NIH that funds the uh, gain of function research in the Wuhan lab. So yeah. I'm thinking whatever data they come up with, they probably wouldn't even do the study. They just put it on a piece of paper, you know, pay off the journal and it's in the, you know, New England you know, medical journal. See, see, we've got this stat. No, no. And it, what was funny to me too, is the school board member was it, she, she fidgeted with her mask like seven or eight times. Oh, yeah. And she's so according all... to Fauci, she was like, I mean, she's a murderer too then, right? She, she's a murderer because there's a couple of school board members right to her left, uh, not mass. So she's, I guess we'll, she'll, she'll be indicted in you know, the Norman uh, Municipal Court here pretty soon. So pretty exciting. I didn't realize Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a scientific uh, uh, genius. I mean, studying that for 50 years? My I mean, word. I was, my level of respect went way up. Give him a <laughs> high five. I thought he was our. I thought he was on our side, and and this guy screw your freedom. Yeah. What? Are you serious? <laughs> what a parrot! What an absolute parrot! It's unbelievable. What a governor! I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Interesting times. Interesting times. All right, we've got one more topic in the week that was. This actually comes uh, comes from the uh, city where I live, uh, here in Cleveland. The uh, 
the baseball team, the Major League Baseball team that makes Cleveland its home and has been called the Indians for over 100 years, uh, has changed their name. I believe it'll be going into effect uh, next baseball season. And uh, just uh, show this short video to kind of, if you haven't heard about it, it'll this will kind of explain uh, the new name. And we'll just chat and see uh, what you guys think about it. But I'll probably be sharing a lot because I live here, so I've I've certainly gotten a lot of feedback. So let's uh, let's check uh, let's check this video out. We are a city on the rise, forging into the future from our ironed out past. We are a city of fire and water, of trees and towers built through generations of blue collars and the brightest scholars and all of those who have worked harder. We hold tight to our roots and set our sights on tomorrow. And this is our team that has stood with our city for more than a century, from Old Municipal to the corner of Carnegie. A team that has seen its own progress and prosperity. Its history flows like the river through the heart of this city. A history that has given us miraculous moments. Moments that spanned years and others 22 games. Moments that broke barriers and moments that broke hearts. Moments that prove this is more than a game. We remember those moments as we move forward with change. You see, it has always been Cleveland that's the best part of our name. And now it's time to unite as one family one community, to build the next era for this team and this city, to keep watch and guard what makes this game the greatest, to come together and welcome all who want to join us. We are loyal and proud and resilient. We protect what we've earned and always defend it. Together we stand with all who understand what it means to be born and built from the land. Because this is the city we love and the game we believe in. And together, we are all Cleveland Guardians. All righty. Uh, interesting. I was Tom Hanks uh, doing the uh, the background vocals for that. Uh, I didn't recognize when I first heard it, but then I, I kind of watched behind. It was interesting. I guess he's uh, got some Cleveland roots. Um, but any thoughts from you guys before I kind of close it out with uh, what some of my buddies are are feeling uh, here in Cleveland? Any thoughts well, on the name change? I guess I just have one, and I, it comes from something I heard. I haven't validated this, but is there another team in the Cleveland area named the Guardians that they completely just didn't do their research and then all of a sudden realized that. Uh, uh. <laughs> That's a great question. It, you know, man, I, I want to say they've got a, now it's the Lake Erie monsters. I have to do some research on that, Jeremy. I don't, I, I, I don't just know. heard that. So I had no idea if that is a valid, a valid thing or not. However, if that were the case, how much <laughs> ink in the face would that have been for their <laughs> PR group? Like, yeah, this sounds great. Run with it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I heard too. Isn't it like a roller professional roller derby team? Yeah, yeah it's something like that. It, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I hadn't heard roller that. derby name. Yeah. <laughs> probably not drawn as many as the major league ballpark, but uh, yeah, probably still a, uh, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a lawsuit to major league. They could, they could be, they could be rolling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, I can tell you from, uh, to every, every friend that I've talked to, uh, there's a lot of frustration and angst. You know, uh, one, one of my buddies, I texted, I said, Hey, your thoughts on the name change. He says, it sucks. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's what it is. Um, so it's, uh, a very passionate uh, sports group here in Cleveland. And it's interesting if you go back and take a look at the history of, of why they were called the Cleveland Indians, it was actually, you know, um, you know, out of, uh, out of respect for, I believe one of the first, if not the first Indian that, that uh, was on Cleveland over a hundred years ago, it was kind of, it was, it was actually an honor. Uh, they say, we want to name the team after you. Um, and, and so it's just interesting how in the course of a, a century, a couple generations that things are flipped, where one name is was honor and now it's you know viewed as or at least purported to be dishonor um and so we've got to we've got to change it uh we've got to change it so uh it's it, it's it's just a, it's another example of you know bowing to this you know the couple on the extreme left that uh, just demand it you know it, it's a demanding thing and, and and one last thing like if you're going to change the name of the guardians could you could you pay somebody more than a sixth grader to make come up with the logo did you guys see that sissy logo like it's oh my awful. goodness it's it's like a g with wings on it you know and a baseball <laughs> in the center oh it's such it's so bad it is so bad that's what i'm saying whoever their pr group or their marketing group yeah did this at a drinking party and said, this would be great. Let's run with it. And then pitched it. And everybody's like, sure. Yeah. That's good. Oh, what what yeah. team name can we come up with where we can keep the same last five letters of India? Yeah. And uh, well, yeah. that would be convenient so that we don't have to completely take down our signage. We keep half the signage up and just replace the front end. I, I don't know. It just, yeah, I, I, it's just sad. Of course, the Washington football team, they're still without a mascot at this point, right? I mean, what, who, who's next? Kansas City Chiefs? Are they coming up to change their name in 2022? Well, th that could get interesting. If they do the same thing and they hire the same marketing firm, Skins would stay. So what's in <laughs> front of that? You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's it, it's a wild it's a wild thing. There's there's a, a bunch of good memes out there. My buddy did have something he was trying to think positively. He said, well, they could uh, maybe uh, team up with Marvel and uh, rename or, or progressive. Uh, it's called progressive field. So if progressive renamed it, you know, galaxy field. They'd be guardians of the galaxy. So yeah. it'd be kind of like a Marvel thing. I thought, you know, that's kind of like, uh, you know, trying to find the, you know, the silver lining on the cloud. But uh, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. I, I think at this rate, those of us who are Twins fans, we think about even looking out in the outfield behind the stadium at the uh, the, the two guys who's at Minnie and Paul or whatever their names are shaking yep. hands. I mean, you know what's coming? Well, they're going to have to change colors of one of those guys in the coming coming years. We've got it's not inclusive. These are two white guys, and uh, something's got to give there, right? Yeah, I mean, it's Jeremy. I I can't believe. You, I mean, you got to find this offensive, right? I mean, you're a you're a twin, uh, biological yeah, I mean, twin. I mean, and so yeah. Don't, I mean, that's pretty. That's kind of like in your face. What, yeah, are you, I, what are your thoughts on the Minnesota Twins name? I I can't tell you how emotionally <laughs> and now physically this has maimed me. And my twin and I are in the middle of crafting. <laughs> not only lawsuits but legislation and verbiage to change radically 
transformational change mm. that will make this right. It must happen. It's got to happen. Uh-huh. You hear it right here. Amen, brother. Amen. Fix in the mix on the verge, on the edge, on the leading edge of cancel culture. You've heard it here first. I just got to get, tw- get my twin on board. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a problem. We'll give her a call. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap it up for the week. That was, uh, it certainly was fun. I'm going to turn it over to Jeremy for our main topic. All right. So we just got done watching the Olympics and I, I mean, I understand I, I did watch some of the, uh, some of the games and I always, I always get a charge out of that. My kids love it. And, um, you know, we go out, (laughs) we, they go out and do the, uh, the, the, whatever the race or whatever was going on swimming, what have you, uh, they try to imitate that and mimic that. And it's just fun to watch. And it is such a competitive time that it gets, it gets those competitive juices going in my life too. And I, I, I just, and it's a great time to cheer for the USA, if nothing else, you know, just to give that old school cheer for the USA, see the flag waving and see, um, and listen to our national anthem is, is a blessing. Well, in the midst of these uh, games, we had, kind of an unexpected turn and twist, no pun intended, with Simone Biles. And, and she has been uh, literally labeled uh, by many and even herself uh, in, in some respects uh, to be the greatest of all time. We hear the term goat kind of flashed around often. And it is it is it does cause us to kind of uh, respect the, the individual and their accomplishments. But during this, these Olympics, Simone kind of withdrew um, from several different um, uh, events. And uh, there were some some questions as to why. And there w- weren't answers that were given right away because there were a lot of things that were happening in the background and uh, weren't necessarily out there for the public. Uh, so we're going to ask the question, is she the greatest of all time? Number one. Number two, maybe trip into some of those things that uh, caused her to, to step back um, and not compete at the highest of her career, at, at the possible highest of her career. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first, okay? Just because I'm introducing this, I'm, I'm going to go first. When I first heard that she withdrew, I was ticked. Okay. I was mad. I was upset. I'm like, how can you be at your, at your top Olympic career and you're poised to win on a, a Olympic stage again, gold medal, uh, individually. And then also for the team, uh, gymnastics team, uh, for the women, just the opportunity to do that and, and to not follow through with that and compete, uh, was hard for me just in my athletic mind to, to kind of navigate. I didn't understand. I'm not her. I'm not an Olympic Olympic athlete, so I, I don't know the pressures of, of which she was under. And as it came out, there were some things um, mental health wise and physically that she was battling. And she uh, she just couldn't she, she, she felt like she was not at the top of the game and she, she withdrew. As I read some of the, the conversation and listened to some of the interviews that she did, I couldn't help but think back to my freshman year of college. And we were playing in a national tournament down in Oklahoma City, and we had lost our first game, so we weren't we weren't in the runnings. But we did have a second game to play, and I think we even possibly could get a third game if I remember correctly. And in the last game, I was a freshman. I was put in at the end of the game, and I had a horrible shooting um, tournament. I couldn't make. I couldn't. Nothing would go in. 
And at one point I, I, I was running down the court and there was only about five minutes left of the game. And I had taken three shots and I had missed all three. And I kept, I, I just told my coach, pull me out. I don't even want to play. I cannot make a shot. And I don't know why. And he didn't pull me out. He, he just refused to pull me out. And I wasn't a starter. He, he had put me in there, I think, for more experience and whatever for the upcoming years. And I remember as an athlete just feeling completely defeated because I, I couldn't shoot. And I, when my team needed me the most, I just I let them down. I, I, I didn't have it. And I remember having that feeling I need to come out. I just need to come out. There's I, I've played enough basketball to know I shouldn't be on the floor. Was that Simone at that moment? Um, were, were the background things in her life and the things that she was dealing with physically part of that? Was this decision for her, did that also aid to her GOAT status? I still am not sure of that. I think there's some things to say. I can tell you this, two-time Olympian, seven medals, net worth somewhere between six and $10 million. I think she's pretty good. When you look at all the other individual um, gymnasts, and quite frankly, I'm not really into, you know, women's gymnastics. So I had to go back and look at some of these things and read through some of the bios and watch some of the Olympics. And, um, you know, that, that happened in the past, you know, decades. And there are some amazing, amazingly talented women. And she does stand out. I mean, there's no doubt that her performances and how she developed and how she trained and what she did is par excellence. I mean, she had it all to make this choice to not compete in those things. Um, I, I don't know that that should necessarily be held against her. Um, at the same time, there is a balance in an athlete's um, mind and physique and everything where there's a ditch on both sides. And to keep that balance, I, I don't want for Simone and other athletes to have a way out of competing with excuses that aren't legitimate. And I'm not saying Simone's isn't legitimate, but I don't want people to come up when I'm coaching a team and say, coach, I don't feel well, I can't play. I would rather the, the team member come to me saying, I'm really not feeling good or I've got an injury, but I still want in and I want to do everything I can to win for my team, for my country, whatever the case may be. And maybe she had that conversation but I don't want athletes to take away and say, you know what, I'm making millions, whether or not I play or not, I'm just not gonna play. I don't want it to be that ditch. On the other hand, I don't want people ruining their phys you know, physical abilities to compete ever again by overdoing it and, and competing when they really shouldn't because of whether it's mental illness or, or um, some, some other mental health situation or an attitude or something that's going on and I read some things about you know the, the training and up leading up to the last couple of days was not good so anyway I'm going to throw it to you guys we'll go with Ryan first then we'll go with Matt and then Don Ryan what are your uh, thoughts about Biles and her goat status initially I think I shared some of the frustration you described Jeremy uh, when I heard she was bowing out, it just seemed so bizarre that the same person who was being referred to as the goat and would even have a goat sewn in on her uh, gym, gymnast outfit, whatever you call that. Is that a leotard? I'm not sure what you can call that thing. But 
anyway, it, it was concerning and kind of frustrating because as a, as an American, I'm, I'm wanting our best to, to show, show their best and to perform their best and to perform period. Um, so I, I was bummed by that, but as, as I learned more information about it, I, I understand that. And you watch some of those videos they showed of her or she's doing these warm ups, these, uh, these drills, she looked off and could that have led to an injury? Maybe could that have led to a really low score for us? Probably. So I, I see the logic uh, in her decision. I, I don't want her to injure herself. And I, I do, if, if she said, you know what, right now my teammates are, while we're doing these warmups, these practices, they are doing better. It, it might be best to let them go for it. Um, so I get that. So my, my frustration was alleviated, I would say. However, I would not, because of this, refer to her as the GOAT going forward. I think she's lost that status. I think she needs to have that taken off of her leotard. I looked up, I was curious, because yeah, that's all we ever hear. She's the GOAT, she's the GOAT, she's the GOAT. Um, I, I looked up and uh, apparently according to uh, Wikipedia, she has seven total medals in over two Olympics, four gold. However, there is somebody named Larissa Latinina from the Soviet Union who has nine gold and 18 total medals. So I'm going to say Larissa Latinina is the GOAT, and Simone Biles ought not to be the GOAT. All right, good thoughts. And uh, I, I saw that name as well and read that bio, and I think uh, you're right on with that. Matt, how about you? Siding with Mother Russia. Sad. <laughs> Just sad. <laughs> um, couple, couple caveats. Number one, I watched zero uh, minutes of the Olympics. I caught a couple highlights the last couple days, um, but I, I was not – it was the least involved I've ever been in any Olympics. And uh, number two, uh, we still beat China as far as the number of, of medals, which was great, here, despite here. the uh, the China state media. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you know, back to the back to the question, I do think she is the GOAT. Uh, I think uh, if you look back overall, uh, what she was able to do as a young person to perform so magnificently uh, for so long to dominate in the way that she has is undeniable. The things that she did, um, the moves that she pioneered that you know, people said that couldn't be done and she's doing it in competition um, was just incredible. I, I, it's obviously is unfortunate that she could not continue in the Olympics. But, and maybe this is a safety manager coming out in me, but please explain to me how it's safe for a woman who's spinning and flipping her body at, at 100 miles an hour, it seems like, uh, world-class speeds. If she's not able to maintain concentration, that she would continue to risk her life and her limb uh, for a temporary competition, even as vaunted as the Olympics are. I think uh, she, she had mentioned, like, you know, she pulled out of, like, a double twister. And, again, I don't know all the terms, but kind of did a single because – she you know, got disoriented or, or, or wasn't sure what's going on. I mean, you talk about, you know, the impact to, to life and limb and body on that. So I don't see the argument that she should have continued no matter what. And I think it did take a ton of courage for her to speak up uh, and take herself out of the competition. So uh, I do recognize her uh, as the goat. It'll be interesting to see where she goes from here, but um, what she's done is, uh, is pretty extraordinary. Hey, Matthew, can I ask you a question? If you're going to call her the goat, shouldn't mm -hmm. the goat be able to have the mental capabilities to overcome in the biggest stage on the world? Yeah, you would, you would think so. But I think yeah, you take a look, how old is she now? 24, she is, I think. Yeah. 20. So relatively young, the amount of pressure that we put on these athletes. And I think maybe even it links back to 
you know, all the stuff going on with COVID and, and you're going over to you know, Japan and most of the Japanese people didn't want the Olympic games to go. You got nobody at the, at the stadium. Like it's, it's a challenging from a mental side, just to, just to live in reality now, let alone have to go represent and be expected to br- you know, bring that stuff back. And so whatever she had going on in her personal life that led her to not be able to concentrate and do that, I I, I can't delve into. Um, but yeah, you would, you would hope so. Right. You, you, you don't think that, uh, you know, Michael Jordan would ever pull out, but I don't think, Again, I don't think the level of risk was the same for Michael Jordan. And you're looking at, you know, a 30 plus year old uh, mature person versus a 24 year old that's got everything, everything riding on it. So I think it's a bit of an unfair comparison. Don, how about your thoughts? Yeah, we watched, we watched a ton of Olympics. It's big, always big in our family um, to watch it every, uh, every time it comes around. Uh, we enjoyed watching the swimming and everything like that that goes with that, and and um, the gymnastics part is always something that we look forward to. And yeah, we were really disappointed when we heard uh, Simone Biles uh, uh, bowed out. Now, for me, it was kind of a mix of emotions, and and you know when she when I heard that she was pulling out because, you know, she just mentally wasn't there or something, you know, some of the excuses, I, I mean, I didn't really get a concrete excuse from her, I guess, um, that said, this is indefinitely why I pulled out. It was always, it kind of, that kind of bothered me. Um, and it also bothered me that, yeah, she's the captain of the gymnastics team. She, she needs to prepare herself for this stage. She's already done it before. She needs to prepare herself for the stage. And if I'm a, a teammate of hers, I am ticked off. I am like, we came here when the Olympics riding on your coattails. All right. We knew you were the number one gymnast in the world. We came here to get gold and she let her team down. I mean, I, you know, I, I just, it's, it's, it's amazing to me how the, the media, responded with trying to prop her up uh, and saying how great, uh, you know, how, how great this was. I mean, you're giving, it, it just, it, it, I'm fine. Okay, fine. If she wants to bow out, fine. If you got, if you got mental issues going on, I'm, I'm not going to stand in your way and say, no, you, you should be out there regardless. But um, what makes goats <laughs> the greatest of all times is those individuals that overcome and uh, just because you're gifted physically, probably as the greatest physical gymnast in the world, there's also another side of it, and it's the mental side of it, that makes people the greatest of all time. And she's not the greatest of all time because mentally, she, 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 she let down her team. She let down her, let, let down her teammates, and she'll, that's something she's going to have to live with for the rest of her life. Um, you know, it's, 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 it, it, I guess I was fine with it, to be honest with you. I mean, if, when a call comes down to it, I was fine with it, whatever. You, yeah. Matt was right. Matt, you're right on. You're dead on. You're, she's doing insane things with her body that is incredibly dangerous. And if she's not out there, then she has no business being out there and she needs to decide that for herself. But for crying out loud, you're the captain of the USA gymnastics women's team. Get yourself ready, get yourself in the mindset, do what you got to do, because you, I mean, um, 
and and what bothered me is again the the media just propped her up and said you know oh she's such a you know this is such a great thing for her to have, be able to admit you know and i'm like well no i don't think it's that great of a great of a, a thing i mean i feel bad for her but you know she's she, she disappointed a lot of people and and um and when you're an athlete um you know the mental side of things is what I think separates greatest of all time because Michael, I mean, LeBron James is probably the greatest gifted athlete we've ever seen. I don't think he's the greatest of all time because mentally, I don't think he has what it, what Michael Jordan had. Um, So, you know, I mean, uh, we see that, we see that through with athletes throughout. I mean, I remember Tracy McGrady. Everyone guys remember that name, that basketball player (laughs) guy was gifted beyond. Yeah his talents were in, in immeasurable. The guy was unbelievable, but the guy couldn't stay healthy. And you could say maybe mentally, he just wasn't there. It wasn't, it wasn't in it. You know, um, I, you know, and you can go right down the list. And when I think of a great athlete uh, overcoming things, I think of Mary Lou Retton who ran down the same, <laughs> ran down that, ran, ran down that, uh, that in, in that gym and, and did something incredible on a, on a broken or sprained foot, whatever she had, had to be carried off the field, off, off the, off the, uh, off the mat by her coach. I mean, and she won gold medal. I mean, I'm just like, that's, that's overcoming something. And that's something, you know, you mentally have to overcome. And I don't know. I just, it just, it, it rubbed me the wrong way when, when the media started propping her up and saying that she was, she was something a special for and being able to admit this that that really bugged me those are great thoughts I, i've reserved my final s- statement here of of dis- t- you know answering whether she's the goat or not i say no and here's why greatest of all times do not name themselves they just don't hmm. go out and label themselves as i am the greatest of all time and the people that do that usually after their career is done that's what they're known for is that statement and nothing that they did in the in their athletic premise that that, that they were given i am completely turned off 100 to all gymnastics because of that that one act and whether she did that she requested it it was done for her whatever the case if that was me i would hope that i would have the humility enough to say get that off i'm wearing something else you are not putting that on on me and i am not walking out as the top number one in the world claiming that i'm the goat if you ask me that added the pressure if you ask me that Mm. mounted it all and that's what set this down into a really bad spiral for her no pun intended and the twisties or whatever she got maybe that was coming because of the fact that she is the goat and if you're the GOAT, you don't do that. So don't name, I don't care what athlete you are. I don't care if you're in second grade learning basketball, if you're one of our friends learning soccer on the, on the pitch, you, you're, you're a baseball you know, superstar just in peewee leagues, whatever, uh, T-ball. You are, you're not the GOAT. That comes, that accolade comes from everybody in the industry saying and recognizing with no questions asked and there doesn't have to be a discussion necessarily about that why lebron is in the runnings for the goat that's because lebron's pride is too big and his ego is too large and he can't handle being second to anybody 
he went and bought himself championships. He didn't build teams around him like Jordan. There wasn't, there wasn't a, a dedication that was, he was dedicated to put a championship team together, but it was through this. And there wasn't a commitment to a coach. There wasn't a commitment to all those things. So don't label yourself as GOAT. For me, Simone Biles, not a GOAT. With that, we will turn it over to Don and his initials game. All right, gentlemen, for tonight, initials, here we go. We got the initials K, C, K, K, C, C. Uh. All right, here we go. Item number one, clue number one. Born in Illinois in 1988. Clue number two. His nickname is a Star Trek reference. Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Kirk Cousins. That, my friend, is correct. You guys awake over there? Are you guys up? Are you guys what's, up? The, what's the Star Trek reference? What, what Captain is Kirk? That? Captain Kirk? Oh. Come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. I'm, I'm, gonna, not, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a Star Trek fan. I'm going to cue the intro. I think Jeremy's first things in the intro is I hate this initial game. <laughs> yeah, I second that. <laughs> this game sucks. <laughs> game rules. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> ben, we need you. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Just call in, please. All right, rides on the board with one item number two, clue number one. Once contended for a U.S. Open championship. Blue number two has been seen in a baseball uniform. Clue number three was an American prohibition agent. Prohibition? Clue number four was an adoptive parent to a superhero. Clue number five was a New Orleans district attorney in the JFK assassination investigation. Clue number six was Robin Hood. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. All right. We got no go here. All right. Uh, how about this one? Uh, starred in the field of dreams. Kevin Costner. Uh, Good grief. What? Are you talking about Tin Cup vied for the U.S. Open in a movie? 
Yeah, These are is, all movie references. Come on, I was I picked this out for you guys. I, I'm toasted with movies. Exactly, like you said, prohibition, I, and then that's the only prohibition. Yeah, the, written down the Untouchables. Yeah. Man, that's one of the greatest movies ever. I love that movie, Untouchables. Same here, Jerry. I wrote the name down. It's the only name I wrote down, and yet <laughs> I've got it right here. Oh man, Jeremy, just just ring in, man. You think you got a one percent chance, man? Ring in. We need you. Oh, oh man! Did you guys Jeez. watch that Field of Dreams game last? Uh, was that yes. Thursday? Night? That was I awesome. Yes. Oh. I I became a fan of baseball watching wow. that thing. That was I'm, fantastic. I, I'm not a. I'm not really. I mean, I watch baseball. You know, I watch it, and I I keep up with the Twins and how bad they're doing, and <laughs> I keep up with the Brewers and how good they're doing. But that electricity at that field, and then when he hit the. <laughs> The dinger at the end, I'm just like, that did not just happen. Yeah. That's that's amazing. I cannot uh, believe that. Ball diving into the corn, fireworks going off. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. I showed uh we were we were on vacation and so we missed it, but I I we watched uh some I showed Elena the uh the preview of it. The, you know, the the Fox did a pre, you know, the pre-game thing of it. And yeah. Kevin Costner walking out of the baseball field. And I was showing them players later. coming out. Yeah, she's oh. like, if the, if the players start walking out of the baseball out out of the uh, cornfield, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> right on cue. <laughs> that is great. We went out and rented uh, Field of Dreams, and, uh, and from the we checked it out in the library and let our kids watch it. They're like, who cares? What is you know? What are you so emotional over? I'm like. Oh, such a great movie. Such a great movie, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I made Elena sit down and watch it a couple years ago. And she loved it. Oh, yeah, that's great. All right. All right, Kevin Costner. Okay, nobody got it. So Ryan's still with one. Item number three, clue number one. Was born in New Jersey with the last name Fitzpatrick. Clue number two has been seen on ABC, CBC, I'm sorry, CBS, NBC, CNN, PBS, MSNBC, Fox News, and more. Connected item, I'm sorry, clue number three, connected to the Bowling Green Massacre. Clue number four. Known as a spin doctor. Clue number five. Made famous the phrase alternative facts. Clue number six. A counselor and campaign manager for Donald Trump. Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Kellyanne Conway. Mm. That is correct. Wow. Kelly and Conway. Could have sworn the initials were KAC for her name and not KC. <laughs> Just checking. Kelly Ann Conway. It's not Kelly, computing with KC. Kelly Ann is one name. That that is not true. Preach. <laughs> I hear I hear Kelly. I hear Ann. I hear Conway. That's three. 
<laughs> Her feet are behind the arc. It's good for things. <laughs> I, I verified her birth. Uh, I verified her birth certificate is one name. Kellyanne yeah. is one name. I'm, I'm sure you connected with that. That's great. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I trust you, Don. Keep, keep it coming. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you would. Right. You would. Ironically, I found it in the same place I, I found uh, uh, President Obama's. I don't know. Jeepers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, would here you? we go. Dear Lord. Item number four, clue number one. Debuted in a breakfast cereal commercial. Clue number two. Was it in a film that included brain transference serum? Clue number three. Starred in Saving Christmas, a 2014 film, which won the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Picture. Oh, that clears it all up. <laughs> Clue number four was frequently seen on the pages of 16, T Tiger Beat, and Teen Beat. Clue number five, his sister was ca as a cast member on Full House. Ryan. Go ahead, sir. Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron, that is correct. Yes. I do better with sitcoms than movies. Come on, Matt and Jeremy, you watch Full House. You could no, have had I that didn't. one. I was banned from all media when I was a kid. <laughs> you didn't watch no. Family or what was that? No, that was a Family Ties. That was. You know was, what? The only show that I Growing I, Pains. That was a no, great. Didn't play. do Growing oh, Pains. The only show that we could get away with if we walked home was Saved by the Bell, and I don't even know any of those. I, I don't even. Know that was that was ten times worse than Full House. Well, exactly. fine. That's the only one we got. Ellie <laughs> Kapowski. Come on. <laughs> Kelly, is that KC coming up? Kelly Kapowski? Or is that KK? <laughs> Kelly and Kapowski. K <laughs> KC. Uh, oh, man. Poor Screech died a couple years ago, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he had, some, he had some trouble in Wisconsin, I think. That's right. That's right. He, he got, I don't know if it was like some DUI stuff or something. I don't know. Yeah, he, something yeah. going on. But he made the news here. I was like, dude, I, I know that. I, Recognize that guy. <laughs> what a guy. Yep. All right. Here we go. Item uh, Ryan's got three. Here we go. Item number, what do we got? Five. Mm -hmm. Clue number one. <laughs> dormy. He's dormy. Are asymmetrical. Clue number two. Most are red. Golden or blue? Clue number three. Often connected to Alaska. Clue number four. They cannot swim. Clue number five. Known 
for their legs. Clue number six. Found in seafood restaurants all over the world. Ryan. <laughs> Just been toying you guys. Toying with you guys. I just saw you. How, how, how long ago did you know this, Ryan? <laughs> well, I, I, I got in, Matt's Matt's reaction about question four got me got me distracted. <laughs> all right, we'll see and see if Ryan knows. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, King Crab. King Crab, that is correct. <laughs> It just it just dawned brilliant, on me when I was brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> We're happy for you. We're real happy for you. Oh, oh man, Don, yeah, did you was... have Kansas City for any of the uh, last ones? I did have Kansas City. That's why I did not do it until what? Because I knew Brian would be all over that one. Yeah, so well, I, try, I, had, I tried I had, to play to the, the audience. Coster in Kansas City written down. <laughs> I had nothing written down. I had nothing. <laughs> I could not think of one KC thing. Not one. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like the last couple episodes or for the trivia. I'm blanking one. out. Here's I don't know what's one. I don't know what's going on. Kelly Clarkson was another one that I had. Oh, nice. that's good good call. Yeah, did I, did I, would I have got one? Might have gotten one there. I yeah. mean, I might have gotten one. Yeah. So maybe that's what we do. We just submit our answers beforehand and Don, you can be like, yep, you got one. You got one. <laughs> we just scrap the, the you know, the, the hints. We're going to find a new game. Oh, man. All our listeners out there are like, you guys are idiots. Yeah, We've got yeah. this. And like, Guilty. Guilty as charged. One. Yeah, I hear you. Keepers. <laughs> Good game, guys. Good game. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna transition with all that love in the air. We're gonna transition into fix your eyes. I'm sure it'll be great, uh, great conversation. But uh, uh, we uh, we're in our second episode of our, our focus on prayer, and we're gonna ask the question: uh, Why is prayer so hard, or or why is it hard to be consistent in prayer? Um, we'll just get uh, get some thoughts on that as we're really trying to really trying to dive deep into prayer. And uh, we'll go in the order of Ryan, uh, Jeremy, and Don. So again, the question is, why is prayer so hard? Why is it hard to be consistent? Uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. So this is a good question, and it certainly is applicable to my life. Um, I know when we last talked about prayer, I talked about uh, a former colleague of mine who I was I was so respectful of because this colleague of mine, anytime something would come up, it was just his nature, second nature to, to pray about it. And uh, instead of, you know, fret, strategize, let's pray. And uh, I, I, I certainly would like to be, be in that situation myself someday, attain to that example. Uh, but for me, as I think about why, why is it hard to be consistently in prayer, I, I did think of a few different reasons. The first one was I think there are just a lot of distractions in the world. Um, it, it comes down to things I see with my eyes. And I think that can be a distraction to me. Whereas prayer, that is not something we see with our eyes, right? It's, it's totally an act of, of faith, which I'll mention in, in my second reason. But I'm reminded of 2 Timothy 2.4, where uh, Paul writes, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. Um, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And, and too often, 
I find myself getting entangled uh, with some of these uh, pursuits. And so reason number one, I, I get distracted by things in this world. Number two, hmm. I think it boils down to a lack of faith. Uh, Hebrews 11, one says faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. And because of this, uh, which I was alluding to in my first reason, prayer, <laughs> prayer is so unique. I, I, recently, I would say within the last month or two, for, for whatever reason, I've had this thought, I've, I've almost tried to put myself out of, have an out-of-body experience and put myself in somebody else's shoes while we're praying. Have you ever done that before? Like, you'll be praying with your family and pretend you're somebody else and you're walking in and you don't know who God is and you see these people communicating with somebody who isn't even in the room. Um, and, and so that's got to look really bizarre. For us as Christians, it, we've been doing it for many years, but just this whole idea, we're praying to somebody we can't even see. Uh, so it's probably a lack of faith that keeps me from not being as consistent. It's not that I don't believe that God is there. I, of course, I believe he's there. But if I were uh, probably more serious about my faith and living and acting and thinking in faith, prayer would be more part of my life. Uh, the third reason is self-sufficiency versus God's sovereignty. And this could be one of those situations in 1 John 2 where uh, the writer describes the different things that trip Christians up, uh, pride of life. Uh, do I think I can take care of things on my own, or do I really trust in the sovereign God that I serve and the one that I worship? Um, trusting myself to be able to resolve some of these things according to how I want. I mean, I may have, I may have this idea of how I things want to go, um, but I think prayer, if I'm praying more, it's going to be a lot less about me and a lot more about what God wants. You think of that song by Frank Sinatra, My Way, right? And there's, uh, there are some lyrics in that song where he says, I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much, much more, I did it. I did it my way. Now, contrast that to Proverbs 16, 9, where it says, the mind of a person plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. And so I think if, if I'm going to be praying more, it's going to be engaging with the fact that I am trusting God's sovereignty versus what I want the outcome to be. And I, I am not the one who's going to be reliant upon myself to bring this about. Um, and of course, we're reminded of what Christ said in his uh, Lord's Prayer, as we like to call it. Toward the end of that, he says, not my will, uh, but thine be done. And then I think the fourth reason for me why I'm, I'm not as consistent in prayer as I should be is uh, just a, maybe a lack of recognition that it is commanded of us. You know, we encourage each other to pray. You know, we, we all would agree, I think. I, I certainly would. Praying is a good thing. It's the right thing to do. But I think sometimes I forget it is commanded. I mean, First Thessalonians 5.17 says pray without ceasing. That's a continual mm -hmm. mindset of prayer. And I, I fall far short of that. But that is, that is a command of scripture. And we've talked about this before too. Watch and pray. Uh, some of the last things that Christians are told to do as Christ left and anticipating his return is to be praying. Uh, so those are my four reasons. Hopefully um, that was summarized relatively briefly. Yeah. As, uh, as I've heard it said before, that'll preach. So nice, nice points there. Jeremy, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I didn't know we had to have four specific concise points. So I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to defer to something that maybe other listeners or you guys deal with. The question is, why is prayer so hard to, 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 to do and be consistent in? 
I find myself struggling to be consistent with anything. Hmm. I, just consistency itself to me. I mean, there are times in life where I can pretty much demonstrate I'm consistent in something good and, you know, presentable or, or, or a value or something like that. But even that has its season and it, it, it turns off in my life. It's just the spout that finally trickles down to, you know, hardly recognizable and I can turn it back on. Kind of like but your jump. It, it's kind of like your jump shot, right, Jeremy? Yeah. I mean, it just, it more, wow. trickle, more trickle than anything. Wow. At least I didn't get one stuck between the rim and the backboard. <laughs> oh boy. I'm just saying we can talk about that when we have, you know, have our coaches on in another segment, but anyway, <laughs> I, I'm just terribly inconsistent and, and I don't know what, what human has the, you know, problem of being totally consistent with anything. Mm. So I do know this, I'm consistent in sin. I'm, mm. I thrive there. I'm totally consistent in a lack of self-discipline. I'm totally consistent with that. So for me, it's as simple as this. Prayer is difficult because I'm inconsistent. Prayer is difficult because I major in sin and minor on, on talking to God. Prayer is difficult and hard to do because when I'm out of unison with God and what he, his will is and what he wants for my life, it's because I'm pulling myself away from that. And it's as simple as that for me. So Ryan's got great four points and he's got those, you know, backboarded well and, and well thought out and, and they really are good. I, I just struggle with the fundamental question or the fundamental issue of being consistent at all. And um, I, I want to just say this, that maybe the other thing that intimidates me and really does intimidate me is when Jesus asks us to come to him boldly into his throne room. You know, the, 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 that, that veil was ripped into and there was a, there was a priest that, in the Old Testament that, that offered up prayers for people. They couldn't pray directly to him. But when he was on the cross and the power of the God Almighty came down and radically changed all of that with the crucifixion of Christ, he ripped that veil in two, which gave me access to the throne room. And I am terrified of that because I am totally unworthy. And sometimes when I go to pray, I, I'm just, I'm like, here I am again, another sinner that's had an inconsistent day, but I'm going to ask you the impossible. And I feel completely, you know, humiliated because I know that, my, that what I bring is dirty rags. I mean, my righteousness is nothing. And so it just, it just, it's an intimidating thing for me. So when I am consistent and when I do pray, I find that I'm reading God's word. I'm really thirsting after him and, and I've got that, yeah. I've got that rolling and prayer becomes easy and not easy as in, you know, it's just consistent. Right. But when I am not doing those things, I find that I've lost my friend, I've lost my father and I've not been able to communicate with him because I'm consistent in the wrong things. Hmm. It's just, it kind of reminded me, Jeremy, I think, I think it was off Stephen Curtis Chapman's uh, CD dive. And I'm not remember the, the exact name of it, but some of the lyrics of the song it just kind of brought to mind is like believe the unbelievable. Like in what he's trying to say is you know, believe the truth of the gospel, which is you know, kind of like you were saying, is so overwhelming. Like we are unworthy uh, in that, but you know, kind of linking back to what Ryan said, you know, having faith in that it is true for us and that the veil was torn. Yeah, that it, that it, that is a struggle, but it's a, it's a great thing to uh, 
to fight for, uh, to think about. So yeah, really good thoughts, Jeremy. It's great. Don. Well, yeah, I got a 21 point, uh, exegesis <laughs> here about the breakdown. So you guys buckle up, right? Overachiever. Fourth Baptist representing. Clear. <laughs> No, no, no. I got just a couple of things build on what Jeremy kind of was saying. Um, you know, how, how do I keep my mind on being on focused on, on God when, when I've got so many distractions, right? I mean, just like you said, Ryan, there's so many things going on. Like as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm going to try to go to bed, but all I'm going to be thinking about is my work day tomorrow. And and the anxiety that's going to come with that and who knows how late I'll be up worrying about that. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. And to think that, you know, God wants us to come to him for, for just those types of things. Um, and also he says in Isaiah 43, four, he says, you are pressure, you are precious and honored in my sight. And I love you. And that's one of the things I struggle with is, yeah. is that I don't consider that he wants to hear from me. He wants to know what, what's on my mind. He wants to know. Uh, I mean, I mean, he knows all, but I mean, I'm just saying he wants to hear me, um, requ you know, request things. He wants, he wants to answer my prayer. Um, you know, and I, and I think that in order for me I know that in my life, if, if I'm having a morning routine of centering myself and, and getting around some 15, 20 minutes uh, of my time to, if in the morning, then my mind will be drawn to that prayer, prayerful attitude um, throughout the day, because it can't help but think about those things because I've started out my day thinking about that, th those kinds of things, hmm. um, you know, and, and to blow my mind even further, what he says in John 14, which uh, I'd have mentioned, I've been, just been really, you know, enjoying my, I've been studying this, these uh, 13 and 14 um, in my, in my devotions, but he says in John 14, 13 and 14, he says, you can ask for anything. He's tell, telling this to his, uh, to, the, to the disciples before, uh, in the upper room, before he, he's let off to be crucified. He says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it. I mean, that blows my mind to think that, and that's what Jeremy was talking about coming boldly with those prayers, um, to think that, um, you know, he wants us to come to, to him with anything. And when he says anything, I really truly believe he means anything. And, 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 and so, you know, and he wants us and he wants to grant us our, our prayers, you know, our, those requests, because why, because it's going to bring glory to his, his father. I mean, that's, that, that, that's, 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 that's what's in it for him, if you will, you know, I mean, it's just like, uh, it's, 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 it's just a challenging and sobering reminder for me in my life, especially right now where I'm, you know, constantly thinking about work and, and anxiety and things like that, where I've just got to get centered on in the morning on, on what's important, study the Bible, and then I can go on without through my day. And I'll, and I notice the difference it makes uh, in my prayer life. Yeah, I like what you said. The importance of starting the day off, you know, in the word is is important. That kind of sets the tone 
um, you know, for the day, kind of like a, you know, almost like a good game plan, you know, for sports that gets executed, you know, then, you know, you get that confidence in the first couple minutes of the game. Yeah. We're, we're cohesive. We've got this going and it helps set the tone for the rest of the game. Uh, that's really good. Really good feedback. Um, so yeah, why is prayer so hard? Um, yeah, I think, I think the link to dependency is certainly key. We, it, it's hard and we're inconsistent in it because we are so independent or, or rebellious or, um, you know, so I think that's, I think that's, that's part of it. I think I struggle with prayer, um, because I do not depend on Christ anywhere near the level that I need to. And in some days I don't do it at, at, at all. Um, and just, you know, kind of get so caught up in what's ever going on horizontally. Um, but as I was thinking, you know, kind of pondering this question, I, as I often do, I kind of try to try to look around and see, you know, what others say on this topic. And I was looking for insights. Um, and uh, listen, I just want to share this short clip from John Piper, um, who, who kind of takes a different angle and it kind of challenged me to think about it from a different angle. And we'll kind of close out, uh, fix your eyes uh, with the video. And then I'll just kind of share some, share some thoughts on that. So, um, here it is. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. That's crystal clear. This is normal, not strange Christianity. God rescues us from hell and puts us in fire. Got that? That is normal Christianity. God rescues us from the flames of hell and puts us into refining flames. Why? Now, I don't want all the answers from all over the Bible. I just want the answer from verse 9, and it's crystal clear, and it's simple, and narrow, and small, and big, and huge, and glorious. It's about prayer. So let's finish reading verse 9. I will test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. That's all. Nothing about getting their sex lives burned clean. Nothing about getting their money mismanagement burned clean. Nothing about getting their power struggles and relational mess-ups fixed. Just then they'll call on me. And I'll answer. God puts us in the fire to awaken earnest prayer. So... Perhaps the reason uh, that we don't pray is either because, you know, we're either ignoring God's discipline and or refining fire. Sometimes uh, hard to tell the difference, uh, whether it's a discipline or refining fire in our lives. Um, or it's because, and even obviously more seriously, we're not in the faith and we're playing the fool like Judas was. I think either way, we, we must look at you know, all our horizontal challenges and trials in life. Um, and look up and give thanks for the opportunity to go vertical and, and look up to God and say, uh, man, I need a lot of help. And one of the passages that came to mind uh, was James 1. And I'll just close with, with these verses for, for, uh, for you to consider. Uh, James 1 verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, I think we probably all do <laughs> in some respect, uh, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. 
For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. So hopefully the, those thoughts will, will help. I think that scripture kind of touched on a lot of things that, uh, that, you, that you guys have brought up. And I certainly appreciate uh, uh, each one of you sharing on that. I think that, that'll be a great encouragement as people listen to it. I know I was encouraged quite a bit. Alrighty, that is a wrap on episode 39 on this, the 15th day of August, year of our Lord, 2021. This was Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast and comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at Six in the Mix Pod. Join us on our journey.